Hey everybody, Ben Beck here for Next Level Radio, and Adam and I are back with another guest spotlight. This time around, we spoke with George Escobar, who came on our show to talk about his new film, Alone Yet Not Alone, which he both co-directed, co-wrote, and actually co-produced at the same time. Uh, George was actually really fun to talk to. He was very insightful, uh, especially when it came to the filmmaking process. Uh, So please make sure you go and you see Alone Yet Not Alone in theaters beginning this Friday, June 13th. Uh, For more info on Alone Yet Not Alone, you can go to aloneyetnotalone.com or you can follow the movie on Twitter at A-Y-N-A The Movie. For more interviews and shows from us here at Next Level, go to nextlevelradioonline.com. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at nxtlevelradio. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube if you haven't already. And in the meantime, please sit back and listen to this great interview with director and writer George Escobar. Welcome to another Next Level Radio guest spotlight. I'm Adam Gorey, joined by my co-host Ben Beck. Tonight's guest is here to talk about his new film, Alone Yet Not Alone. Joining us now on the Next Level Radio hotline is the film's co-director and co-writer. Please welcome George Escobar. George, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me on your program. Oh, thanks for coming on. Um, where are you calling us from? I am uh, calling from a little town called Percival, Virginia, next to uh, Leesburg, Virginia. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're we're local to Philadelphia, um, which actually is is funny because some of the movie is is set there. But um, you know, I, I don't know how far. Usually, about a four or five hour trip to Virginia. So, I mean, you're you're East Coast. Are you? Were you always from Virginia, or uh, did you ever? You know, I mean, did you come from the West Coast, or? Yeah, I grew up in Southern California, uh, went to the American Film Institute in Los Angeles, and made my way to the East Coast. Okay, what made you want to come to the to the East Coast from L.A., or from California? Uh, I was uh, following my my wife. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. I mean, uh, you know, I did the same thing. I mean, not quite that far. Maybe I only moved about a half hour from where I was from, so you, you got me beat there. Um but like I had mentioned, your new film uh, coming out this Friday, Alone Yet Not Alone, uh, June 13th. Uh, for those who may not have seen even a trailer yet, uh, what's you know what? how would you explain the movie to them? Well, uh, the movie is based on a book or a novel by Tracy um, Leoniger Craven, and it's a true story about a German um, family who immigrate from uh, Europe uh, trying to escape um, the actual wars that were going on at that time. This is in the mid-1700s, and they they are also trying to um, get some, some more religious freedom, and, and they end up in the western frontier of Pennsylvania. Uh, unfortunately, smack in the outbreak of the French and Indian War. So um, there is a raid in their home and, and their town, and two of the girls in this family, the Leininger family, are taken captive and... Uh, are split uh, into different tribes, and then um, Barbara Leiniger, who is uh, 12 years old, uh, manages to escape uh, a few years later, and she has to journey about 300 miles to try and get home through the wilderness while being uh, chased by her captors. But throughout the whole ordeal of captivity and uh, the escape itself and, and just survival, she's really hung on to... Promise that uh, 
her father and, and mother had instilled in her, which is uh, in the wor- you know through the Word of God in Deuteronomy thirty-one six about God uh, never leaving, never leaving us or forsaking us. Right, and I mean that's you know there's obviously that big difference when she is captured between her religion and then also the Native American beliefs as well. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know the. Native Americans are trying to replenish their tribe, and, and the process of assimilation uh, is uh, depicted in the story. Right. Now, I know a majority of the movie takes place in Ohio and Pennsylvania, but when it came to shooting the movie, is that primarily where you stuck around, or did you film in other locations outside of that area? I had to shoot outside of the area. We were able to shoot at Penn's Creek um, area, the, the cave there in particular. But uh, we really couldn't go back to the original location because it's mostly uh, developed farmland now. We had to go to um, a place called Explore Park in Roanoke, Virginia, 200 acres of just pristine wilderness that sort of doubled for the farmland. They have uh, rivers there that doubled for the Ohio River, uh, just the wilderness uh, terrain. And uh, we also filmed uh, at the... Uh, waterfalls where uh, Last of the Mohicans was filmed in North Carolina. Okay. And we thought, I was going to mention that because that's you know that kind of takes place around the same time as well, and that you know that's one of my favorite. Uh, old, I mean, I'm I'm only 27, so that movie came out when I was young, but uh, I did watch it you know when I was younger. It's a that was another great uh, movie of you know around the same time that this takes place. That's right. We were fortunate that film came out because we were able to look at that and study it and and try and um, uh, do the cinematography that would be comparable. Yeah, I mean the the uh, the locations that you guys did choose were beautiful. I mean, especially as like you said, as developed as areas get, it's kind of hard nowadays to find areas that aren't developed and that you can you know just find acres and acres of wilderness. Yeah, we didn't want to spend uh, our dollars trying to remove uh, telephone lines and things like that. <laughs> I mean, just and just like Last of the Mohicans, the story itself uh, from the movie, it, it's a very compelling story. When you were in the process of writing this movie, where did you actually find a lot of the, the research and that, uh, that you used to, uh, to, to inspire the movie? Well, I was fortunate that most of the research was done by Tracy uh, Leininger-Craven, who's actually a descendant of uh, the, the people that are in the story. She had uh, fallen in love with the story after hearing tales of her ancestors uh, passed down through generations from her, her grandmother. And so she wrote a novel uh, based on a lot of research she did, she did uh, in the Pennsylvania area. And there's a lot of documentation on the captivity story surrounding uh, Barbara and Regina and, and Marie, uh, one of their friends. And, of course, uh, documents about um, uh, young George Washington and, and Benjamin Franklin and what they were doing at that time, because they are featured in this film. And finally, uh, Pastor uh, Muhlenberg, also the account of his life. And uh, so I read the novel. I then developed the treatment. And uh, research continued, uh, and the executive producers uh, handed me a, tra- a manuscript a year after I finished the treatment and asked me to write the screenplay, uh, and they gave me three weeks to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Draft took us three weeks, and then we obviously uh, made subsequent drafts after that. Uh, It was a highly intense uh, moment there. Well, you did a good job for three weeks, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I I, I had a a co-writer, James Richards, who who did a a great job on on the research and the dialogue and, and everything else. 
And you you had also wrote and directed uh, a movie in 2009 called Come What May. That that was not a true story, right? I hadn't had a chance to watch it, but that one was not a true story. It's not a true story, but it's based on uh, events that happened at college. Oh, okay, so it's, it's you know a, a little a little nonfiction, but well, I mean, which movie between that and um, Alone Yet Not Alone, which one kind of presented more challenges? One based you know on uh, uh, basically a story that's been around for a while and was made into a novel, or one that was, I mean, not completely fictional, but uh, you know a little more room to work with. Well, they're they're both very challenging because Come Up May was really the first feature film that I was involved in uh, as a director and producer. Um, that presented its own challenges, and then of course Alone Yet Not Alone, much bigger film, bigger scale and scope, and and uh, definitely an epic type story. But I had done uh, films in between those two, so I, I was ready for Alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, when it comes to movies like this where they're you know based on a true event, you, I'm, I can imagine it's you have to do it's, – it's very difficult to make things as historically accurate as possible. What, what kind of difficulties do you find that you run into when you're trying to, to be as accurate as possible? Well, you, you know that the, certain segments of the audience are historians as well as uh, reenactors, and they're going to really go into detail and, and uh, or nitpick what's on the screen. And you know, they they obviously have permission to do that. Uh, sometimes at the expense, though, of really looking at the overall uh, story and the storytelling that that's being presented. We would like say that you know we were 100 percent accurate but there's no film that ever achieves that unless you spend a ton of money so we tried to get as close to the historical uh, accuracy as we could afford as also uh, what we could find in documentation and we relied on the expertise of the production heads that we hired uh, you know for costuming and and as well as uh, set construction and and uh, props all the details you know we had to we had to make everything because you know, this is the 17 uh, mid 1700s and and just on a Walmart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, the the main you know uh, Native American tribe in the movie is the Delaware um, tribe. Did you have to track any of them down to kind of get you know a little bit of feedback from them? Uh, well, we worked with uh, some casting folks who uh, were very had done other uh, historical films uh, with Native Americans, so we again relied on their expertise. Uh, in terms of getting the cast and, and also trying to achieve authenticity. Uh, okay. So that's, that's how we worked it. Okay. And, and No, go ahead. Oh, yeah, there, there was not a lot of time to prepare the movie. Uh, you know, we, we were able to I, – I was – I work for hire um, on my part. I, I have a production company called Advent Film Group, and I was hired by Enthuse Entertainment, who produced Alone Yet Alone. Um, I only had like three months to prep this whole movie. Oh wow! <laughs> I was gonna say because the the novel did that that came out pretty recently. I thought right was that two thousand nine or two thousand eight something like that. Well, the the reprint of the novel where they uh, incorporated footage from the movie uh, oh, or okay. a movie. Uh, but there was an earlier version of the of the novel. I think uh, earliest ten years ago. Okay. Okay, so that's still pretty new in itself. Now, um, you know, as you kind of you kind of touched on it before, there's a, there's also this religious undertone to the film, um, and, and some people, especially these days um, with social media and especially the the younger generation, and I know I'm saying that at the age of 27, but even 
got, uh, kids younger than I am are much worse. Uh, you know, with the combining of a little bit religion as well as a historical film like this, it, it might turn some people off. You know, if they don't know anything about it, what kind of what steps did you guys take during production to keep true to the times, but at the same time, you know, be appealing to the general audience? Yeah, that's a great question because you know you, you do need to remain true to the characters, their situation, and and the times. You know, how did people approach the Bible? Uh, you know, what kind of spiritual uh, rituals were around? Uh, in time. Uh, you have to remain true to what is in the biblical text. One of the best ways that actually we were able to bring all of it together is the song that was composed by Bruce Broughton mm -hmm. and uh, the lyrics by Dennis Spiegel. Uh, that is sort of the unifying um, clue for the entire story because it, it, it uh, has the movie in the song, which is that uh, you know through whatever trials, tribulations, and, and triumphs in our lives, we encounter uh, God is with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Hence, we could feel alone, yet we're, we're, we're never actually alone. Right. What's remarkable, remarkable about that song is um, when we commissioned um, Bruce Broughton, he was brought to me by our one of our executive producers in Wales who had produced Amazing Grace and the Christie TV series. Um, so he, he knew a, a lot about historical films and how to produce them well. Uh, so he he brought Broughton into uh, the production, and we asked Bruce, uh, "Hey Bruce, you know, uh, could you write something that's uh, appropriate for 1755, hymn-like, prayerful, reverential, and yet uh, it has to resonate with a modern audience? And and by the way, could you make it you know, be as classic as Amazing Grace, perhaps? Do you think you can do?" That? <laughs> and I think oh. he came. Oh, it's a beautiful song, and I think it's going to be a timeless classic. Yeah, I was just going to say, you did a good job. How, how long did actual production on the movie last? I don't know if we had brought this up or not, but how long did the actual production, like the filming process, take? Yeah, the actual um, principal photography or physical production, uh, it was about 45 days with uh, almost six weeks of uh, high intense pre-production you know, at the locations. And then uh, almost a year-long um, post-production. Uh, a lot of visual effects in this film, actually. Uh, we couldn't. When, when you see um, the boats enter the river as the Native Americans are fleeing the attack, uh, there's only I think like four or five canoes that we could uh, muster. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, like a couple dozen. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, you can't even, uh, I didn't even realize that. I, and I was thinking, too, like, during uh, watching, I was like, oh, they, they must they must not have needed to do too much as far as visual effects, but uh, obviously um, <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> a lot of visual effects in that movie. Yeah. Was the, was, the, was the weather pretty cooperative when you were filming in Virginia for that long? Yeah, we were so blessed. The weather was, was perfect. Uh, we filmed at a time that we knew we could get pretty good weather, and, and get a, uh, a little bit of the summer going into the fall and then um, getting it pretty chilly so that uh, when we filmed the snow scenes, uh, we didn't have to replicate the, uh, the breath you know, with, uh, you know, when it's cold. Yeah. What do you call it? The vapor? Yep. Yeah. That, those are authentic vapors if you see them. Oh, cool. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, I'm sure in those uh, the uh, outfits they had the costumes that that probably didn't help. Yeah, and that water also was cold when we were filming uh, cave scenes. Oh yeah, water on the East Coast has this capability of staying cold for the longest amount of time. I mean, in Ju- I mean even now there's probably lakes and rivers out there that it, the water is still freezing cold. Yeah. Well, I know we're getting ready to, uh, and we're getting short on time with you, but I know, uh, at least on our end, but uh, usually how we like to wrap up our interviews is we like to do what we call our rapid fire questions. Uh, Basically, all they are, they're just three or four questions. They're very short, um, very simple questions. All you have to do is just answer with the first thing that pops into your head. You don't have to go into too many details. They're they're just really easy questions. Okay. do you think we have time to uh, talk about one more uh, item here as far as... Oh, yeah, abs- of absolutely. Anything you want to talk about, yeah. we can talk about. Yeah, I would love to just talk about how important um, making uh, time and effort to be at the opening weekend uh, because that's when um, Hollywood really pays attention whether a movie is going to be successful or not and indicates whether we should make more movies like that. Well, you said oh, well, that, the movie opens this Friday. Um, is it limited release or is it a nationwide release? It's a nationwide release, but it's still fairly limited. You know, right now there's 100 cities uh, that uh, are on board. Uh, we want to grow that into the next weekend, so we really need people to turn out for that opening weekend. Yeah, and I do know Philadelphia. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head which theater, but if you go on, you know, like one of the movie sites like Fandango or something, um, I know there is a theater in Philadelphia that's definitely going to have it. So anyone from the area, definitely go check it out. Yeah, I mean, not just for the benefit of this film, but uh, future films. And and I, one of the other thing that is important is that, um, you know, when you see a film like this and, and young people are watching it and entire families, uh, oftentimes kids are inspired. You know, they either historically they want to do that or, or, hey, they want to make movies. And um, you want you want parents to be encouraged that there is hope and there's uh, an actual profession that their kids can undertake that's pretty wholesome and, and safe, that they don't have to make typical raunchy or, or overly uh, violent films. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, the fact that, you know, it, it's a great way that makes, especially a movie like this, um, it makes history interesting. I mean, I, I, I learned stuff that I had forgot from learning back in high school and grade school. And it made me, even watching the film, you know, I whip out my phone real quick and Google some stuff while, while I'm watching it to, to learn a little bit more. Oh, great. Thank you. I'm glad you, that that worked for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and from the filmmaker's perspective, too, I, I spent about two and a half years making uh, a small independent film. So I can see where uh, exactly what you mean when it comes to that, too, is the big budget movies that are out in theaters, everybody's going to go see them just because they are what they are. But it's it, you want to get the attention of the of the crowds to go out and to see those smaller independent movies, because those are the ones that those are the ones that those are a lot of the people that are in the movies and that make those movies. Those are the guys that become the guys that make those bigger movies later on in life or at least hope to at one point in their career. So, yeah, that's that's so Oh, true. Yeah, so I, I, I definitely get where you're coming from when it comes to wanting people to come out and see the movie because I completely agree with you. We're, we're absolutely going to send people to go out and see this movie as best as we can because it's the independent movies, at least in my opinion, those are the movies that are worth watching more than those blockbusters. 
Well, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and I, real, I was going to say, um, you get so much better writing too, and and I, and you know, alone yet not alone is is no different. You get better writing because that's more important because you don't have the larger budget to to do these crazy visual. You know, I know you guys said you have visual effects, but you know, it's not like some big blockbuster, huge budget. But that means the writing is is that much better. Yeah, yeah, I think it becomes a more character-driven type story, and uh, you rely on, on uh, hopefully better actors too. Yeah, yeah. All exactly. the, and I don't think. Of, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, there's a lot of pressure on the budget from all sides. You know, from from the catering to the transportation department to costume, and boy, you know, it doesn't the. Uh, IMDb indicates that the estimated budget for this movie is seven million dollars, uh, which I think is pretty accurate. Uh, if you compare that to Last of the Mohicans, made in 1990, and that one cost 40 or 41 million, which in today's dollars would be over 100 million. Yeah, yeah. Could, um, where we, I thought we did a great job, everybody in cast and crew, to bring about a movie that looked terrific and and uh, you know was was well well made. Well, I, th- I think on the same end, too, and, and as I said, coming from the side that I came from, having made the movie, too, having the limited budget and, and working with what you have, I think, really drives and forces out more creativity because it forces you to be more creative with what you have. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. Um, let me give you a, a little bit of a, an insight, which I, I've never actually told this part. But if, if you've seen the movie, I think you guys have, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a, a scene where the two girls go into into a cave. Well, we show them go, um, going into the mouth of the cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of that scene was actually filmed, you know, outdoors at night uh, next to a river because we we couldn't really physically film in that cave uh, at the time that we it was accessible to us. So you know, I'm very creative, um, and but sells because you can see the we were able to, to find a wall face that looked like a cave but it was completely done outdoors at night yeah, that's crazy you really you literally cannot tell <laughs> like if you didn't tell me that I would have never known yeah yeah well I, you know you guys uh, said it you know you have to be creative when you, you can't build a cave yeah yeah <laughs> so um, but yeah, we absolutely are going to send people out to see this film. Uh, it, like I said, it was a very, it was a very well done, very compelling film. So we're absolutely going to send people out to, to see this. Yeah. Hey. So. Um, I think I'm ready for your rep. <laughs> okay, okay. Awesome. <laughs> um, first one is, what's your favorite place to visit? Uh, Walt Disney World. <laughs> oh, that's a good choice. We we actually were just there uh, in February, so my wife and I have gone down. I think the past two years now. I think it's eye candy for filmmakers. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, if you were directing a movie about your life, who would you cast to play yourself? Oh, great question. I I would I would love to have Jimmy Stewart play me. Okay. Um, third one. Don't look any any way alike. <laughs> oh, that's okay. It doesn't have to. Well, hey, Rob, Rob, Robin seen, Williams. Seen... Robin Williams didn't look anything like Patch Adams. I was gonna say, <laughs> and that worked. Yeah. Um, third one is what's your favorite piece of technology? That would have to be Macintosh. Okay, just all of it. 
Yeah, that that computer changed my life. <laughs> um, last one. Who who has had the biggest influence on you in your life? My wife. Um, the one that be a much much better person. There you go. That's that's a great answer. I I, I if I was asked that, I'd probably have to say my wife too, only because she listens to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, George, we definitely want to thank you for uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, we want to we want to send people absolutely to, to look into it and find out where the movie is playing. Go out and support the independent in, the independent film industry. Industry. Go out and see this film, Alone Yet Not Alone. They can find any information on the film that they want to find at aloneyetnotalone.com, dot com, and they can also follow the film at Anya the Movie on Twitter. Um, so, uh, and it opens yes. up it opens up this hey. Friday, June thirteenth. A Y N A the movie. Uh, it, it looks like Anya, but I mean it's just the, the oh yeah acronym. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The um, N and the Y reverse. Sorry. Yeah, uh, George, do you have a, a Twitter yourself that people can follow you on, or do you kind of stay uh, away from Twitter? Uh, I tend to stay away. There, there's some um, Twitter uh, for some of our films, but I uh, pretty much on Facebook. Okay. All right. Just checking. Um, but yeah, uh, we really want to thank you for coming on and, and definitely we're going to make sure, uh, we, we tell people to go see the film cause it, it is good. It, and, um, you know, and we've seen a lot of movies lately and I, I'm not too picky when it comes to movies, but I will say this, my patience isn't always the best. <laughs> um, and I was able to, this, this movie was able to at least keep my attention and, you know what I mean? It wasn't one of those where I got bored. And I wasn't on my phone because I was checking Facebook. I was on my phone because I was looking up historical facts about the movie. Well, it's great uh, talking with you guys. Uh, you uh, asked some really good questions in an interview. And uh, we're not far from each other, so um, our next production, we should stay in touch and get you guys involved. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. We would love that, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, well, we'll definitely we'll definitely keep in touch. Uh, but for now, we're going to sign off. So everybody who's listening right now, thank you for joining us. You can check us out at nextlevelradioonline.com. Follow us on Twitter at NXT Level Radio. And we will see you around the bend. Take care.